we are live. Hello and welcome to episode 244 of uh, Together VHA. We are closing down on that uh, 250 mark break. Oh, How are you pretty, doing? Pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, good, thank you. It's a nice little bank holiday here in America, so um, an extra day off a three-day weekend was always always helpful. How about yourself? Yeah, not so bad, not so bad at all. Uh, obviously not a day off here, um, but I know you guys have got President's Day, um, but I feel like most Albion fans will feel like they're... Uh, their weekends continuing uh, after the results yesterday because uh, it was an absolute monster of a game. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be there. Uh, Robin was as well, but he's not able to join us today. Uh, Adam is not very well either. So it's just uh, your duo here in myself and Craig. Um, first of all, though, Craig, we've got a bit of a busy week, really, haven't we, in the last seven days for the Arbyn? Notably, uh, the end of the winter competitions uh, in the Asian Cup and the African mm. Cup of Nations. Uh, not much to report on in the Asian Cup. Uh, obviously, Matoma came home. Everything's good to go. Uh, really, the only conversation to be had there is Jürgen Klinsmann is exactly who we thought he was in terms of a manager. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for the AFCON, um, young player of the tournament, player of the match, uh, and now AFCON champion, Simona Dinkra, had a hell of a tournament, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think he did really well. I, I, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I watched every minute of the AFCON, but I think just you get two assists in the final, obviously people are going to start paying attention. Um, 22 years old and plays for Brighton also comes with a borderline reputation nowadays as well. So um, yeah, just over the moon for him. You, you can imagine, you know, McAllister with the World Cup and, and just you know, winning your equivalent of the Euros as, as we can relate. Um, I'm sure is an amazing feeling, especially at just 22 years old. So, um, yeah, stunning achievement, especially, you know, with what, Nigeria in the final. So, yeah, over the moon. And I, as of yesterday, I'm glad he's back with us now, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, when he went with them, he was called up injured, wasn't he? And we were all a bit mm. worried that they were going to run him into the ground and cause him to get more hurt. Uh, but really, we've had the absolute best possible outcome. He's been rehabbed back to full fitness, given game time and has came back fully fit, raring to go, and with a trophy, where you yeah. can see just from yesterday alone, he's flying high, isn't he? Like, he's it's just strange. so good. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't run him into the ground more than we were, to be honest. I, I feel like he was playing every single minute, and God knows how he was able to do that. So, um, yeah, same with Matoma, right? Just, I hope they get fit halfway through the tournament so that we can play them a little bit and turned out to be quite pivotal for them. So, uh, yeah, really cool. And again, you're seeing sort of a backlash almost, the same with McAllister when he came back. This is this sort of heightened confidence maybe, um, and, and we'll make the most of it. But great player and important to us, as we saw yesterday. Yeah, how how important, like, just two actual real-life wingers are. <laughs> I know. It's just, yeah, I think we'll, we'll go on to the team sheets as well for yesterday in a bit. But yeah, it's just, it's nice to have these players back, isn't it? I think we we sort of looked at January going, ah, crap, like AFCON, Asian Cup. That's our genuine, our two first wingers, just gone for a month and a bit. Yeah, yeah. Ansu Fati being hurt as well, obviously, we know we know all about and Solly March and, being out for the year. NC so out. There's just it, yep. no wingers. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Very happy. but a bit of a patchy bit of form lately as well, uh, with obviously a, a loss at Luton being as bad as it was, and then bouncing back with an absolute hammering against Palace. 
uh, followed up by a really disappointing defeat against Spurs. So it it was really difficult to know what was going to come in this one. It's a little little tougher even more so when you're playing a team twice in the space of about three weeks. I know we beat them 5-2 the first time, um, but Wilder had had a little bit more time to get in there. People were hopeful that he would be the one to turn them around. Um, obviously, they had a hell of a result at Luton the weekend before, winning 3-1. It was it was never going to be an easy game. I think the the idea was, um, and for the first thirteen minutes, it felt like it was going to be quite an open affair, didn't it? Um, but yeah. obviously, we all know what happened next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think just yeah, we can talk about the team, but I think it's more like you could see what they were trying to do and what the setup was, and obviously that's a, a direct consequence of having ninety minutes against them two weeks ago or three weeks ago or however long it was. So. Yeah, I was anticipating it to be a tough game, right? Like you said, you had peaks and troughs in the last few weeks. You win, you lose, you win, you lose. And it's like, okay, where are we? Um, and then coming off a, uh, a win against Luton, you know, their wins are very few and far between. So I'm sure that was a confidence boost for them. But after 13 minutes, it all went down to Swanee, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, thank you, Mason Holgate, for being an absolute thug. Uh, like, I really can't even call it any other word. Like, an absolute scumbag, like... He should be on the streets, like getting into fights, like football factory style, not playing real football. Uh, it was outrageous. Um, let's talk team sheets um, and then we'll talk uh, what happened in that first 13 minutes because it really dictated the entire flow of the game from then on, really. Uh, Wilder went to his patented three slash five at the back system that we've all been expecting. Uh, nothing really shocking there. Uh, Fodderingham in goal. Um, Holgate was at the back, of course. Uh, they had uh, Gus Hamer started started the game this time. Uh, McAtee as well, uh, on loan from City. Um, and Ollie Norwood on the bench this time, not playing against us like he did last time. Uh, but for the Albion, Verbruggen back into goal. Uh, once again, the keeper rotation continues. Uh, and then we had um, an interesting back four. Lamptey at left back, Duncan Van Heck in the middle, uh, and then Webster, Definitely at right back. No, no ifs, ands, and buts about that one. Uh, it was very apparent from the first minute that we were playing a back four and Adam Webster was at right back. Uh, more about him later for sure. Uh, Gross and Gilmore in the middle of the park. Uh, Adingra and Mitoma on the wing. Welbeck up top and Bonanotte uh, in that number 10 role. When you looked at that side, uh, we've just talked about it a little bit already in, in terms of returns, but I think one thing stuck out to everybody, and that is this is actually a real-life Roberto De Zerbi formation again, isn't it? A true 4-2-3-1 with real-life wingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it just it makes such a difference. Uh, you know, Again, we, we sort of have to preface everything that we're going to say because we played 75 minutes against a really bad Premier League team that was also down to 10 men. So, right, it, it, it does need to be put into perspective a little bit, but you, you only beat what's in front of you. But yeah, in terms of our team and what we put out, you know, barring Webster at right back, which is a bit odd and, and changed at halftime anyway, um, it's it's what you want, right? And you've got some people coming into form. Van Heck is a staple now. Bonanote is coming into it. Uh, Welbeck is underrated by some uh it's it's what you wanted uh so i didn't have any complaints about that again joel veltman not a right back and putting webster out there i don't know what that says to you um or what that says to anyone but it it, it seems to be a deserby side like you said yeah it seems to be some serious uh 
easing in for people like Veltman and Estepinion, who played a lot of minutes, uh, but then rested this week. Uh, I suspect he may have maybe felt something, even the tiniest thing, and, and deserve He's like, absolutely effing not. Like, you're not going out there this time if we don't need to. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't seem to feel too much when he came on because he was absolutely brilliant on that left-hand side for like 15 minutes, terrorised them from left back, uh, which says all you need to know, really. Uh, that first 13 minutes was actually quite a tough one um, because they sat back. We dominated possession, usual, the 79% possession in that first 13 minutes, uh, but we both had a shot each, um, and their shot, XG on their shot was not half bad at all. Um, they were happy to hit us on the break, and for that first 13 minutes, well, I mean, it was longer than that, really, because there was a couple of horrible breaks after the fact. But for that first 13 minutes, they were they were definitely set up as a game plan, weren't they? Like proper wilder football in the kind of mould of that year that Leicester won the Premier League. Sit back, sit back, hit on the break with really quick players and rely on kind of taking your chances when they come. Yeah, and we know that works against us, right? It's just that that low block and fast counter is something that we've seen so often. Uh, and I was like the first 10 minutes, it was like, OK, this is going to be either a really long day or it's just going to be frustrating. Uh, so it, it was an open 10 minutes. We You could see what they wanted to do, even by the team sheet. Uh, and it looked like it was going to work. It was a good effort on goal that Verbruggen got to. It was a good save and, and pushed it out. So it looked like it was all going to be a bit of a, an end-to-end game, especially towards the end when people get tired. Um, but yeah, one one centre-back decided to actually just throw out all that window. Yeah, and that man's name is Mason Holgate. Um, and yeah, so I, I was in the stadium and I, I was to the left of the goal. And from my perspective, we were also on the front row, which was not intended, by the way. Uh, we went with just like best available because the tickets were low. Yeah. And like when we got there and realized we were like front row, I was like, Jesus Christ, I've never been this low in my life. But it was actually really interesting, like just watching it from super low. Um, and unfortunately, it gave us a really good straight line view of him coming in <laughs> horizontally at Mitoma. Um, and what I found fascinating was that watching it from our perspective and you don't know what the cameras can pick up right on the TV, but the referee wasn't giving that foul initially. Like he was not really bothered about it until the referee, uh, until the lino like signaled, like that's definitely a foul, mate. Like that's quite a bad one. Like he probably is worth a book in there. And then he blew called the foul and went over. So it's really worth noting very early on here that, what we're about to talk about, Stuart Atwell thought wasn't even a foul initially. Um, but what unfolded from there was probably the quickest VAR review I've You'll ever seen in the Premier League. <laughs> Haven't you like can you think of a quicker one? No. I, I assume it was a screenshot and when yeah, there you go. I say I don't think we need to talk about this one. But it's yeah, like you said, it's the uh, he's been completely sort of bought out by by VAR there because it's shocking like and I think just how exasperated Mason Holgate was is deserves an Oscar as well um but it was wild and I think just my thing was if you hit him like six six inches lower that's that's a that's a knee injury in the rest of the season right you're kind of borderline lucky that he got it so wrong that it actually hit his thigh which is one of your strongest muscles so uh Wild refereeing is just catastrophic as always. We you know, 
refer to our previous podcast if you want to talk about that. But just being able to, you know, a, a quick screenshot on the screen, you got that horribly wrong and you know it. Um, even if the lino is flagging and he saw it and the, the main ref didn't, it's wild. But you get the right decision. It's an awful challenge. People have been sharing it over social media for ages. Everyone can see how bad it is. Um, and then they're down to 10 men, right? And they lose a centre-back. Um, and weirdly enough, wait 10 minutes to make a change. Um, but okay. Classic Wilder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else's fault, but his own though. Definitely not his fault. Um, yeah, I think, I think I was saying to you guys yesterday, like it's the worst tackle I've ever seen live comfortably. Like I've never seen a tackle well, I, in real well, life. You had a prime time view. So yeah, I'm it was, surprised. Uh, and I, I see that. Uh, everybody else has picked up on it too from our conversations yesterday and WhatsApp. I've heard it a few times and I've started seeing social media churning it out as well. But like, it really gives me uh, vibes of that Britos tackle. Um, yeah, yeah, from, from uh, yeah. And we were talking about it yesterday about how similar it was in terms of if his foot was planted, that's a career ender. Um, mm. And I think it's the same thing here. Like, if, if Knockout's foot was planted against Watford, you never he's never playing football again. Like and likewise here, if if Mitoma's foot was planted, he's done. Like I know it was a little bit higher than it needed to be, but I think the sheer velocity of it is just it's just snapping him. Um, yeah, I think any any more power into it. And yeah, you're you're talking about a yeah, a career threatening injury, right? So and that's what I'm saying is just thank God he got it so wrong and that he is so bad because you know, with less effort and directly on the knee. You're talking about the same outcome. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. Um, I can only presume that it took the six seconds it took on VAR instead of the three because like the the VAR fellow, I can't remember who it was, Oliver mm, thingy, okay. um, Michael Oliver, I think was it. Yeah, the it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, I think I can only assume it was the extra three seconds just because he was pissing himself laughing at the fact that he didn't give it you, initially you, as a red. You dopey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like are you joking mate why am i able to show you this um off he goes anyway uh down the tunnel um and albion if there's ever a team that's gonna go to the team bottom of the league uh and conceded what like 63 goals or something this season uh and make this a difficult game to win uh it's brighton over albion um but within seven minutes uh it was not the case. We took the lead and four minutes after that, we doubled it. Um, and it almost put the game out of sight at that point as well. Uh, Facundo yeah. Buonanotte, uh, another set piece, by the way, goal. Uh, I can't believe, I can't South believe my eyes. Yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Um, those lofted balls over to Dunk at the back post are becoming quite an asset to us. Uh, and there was Buonanotte again in the middle, just fox in the box. He's done that a few times now this season, hasn't he? Yeah, I, right place, right time, I guess. Uh, but I think if you watch the replays over, you see Bonotte's his main thing is just to block the keeper um, and, and just stop it so that Dunk can't get through to the back. But it works, right? Uh, you see them lining up like a train, like uh, what was it, like England did in like 2018 or whatever. Um, it, something's, something's changing, right? The set-piece coaches finally started turning up or something like that. So it's... It's good. It, it, I mean, you've got two very good headers of the ball. You've got some foxes in the box, as you say. Uh, and Buonanotte's there again, right? Uh, what is that, three goals in five games or something like that? He's got a, a good strike on him. He's right place, right time. He's starting to get there, isn't he? 
He is, isn't he? There's three goals and an assist now. Um, and it really is like yet again another example of a player coming in because his number was called and essentially just like, hey, we have no one else. This is a lad that was going to go on loan, for sure, from Deserby's words, for sure going on loan this season. To, to the championship, um, arguably, yeah. Yeah, and and he's took his chance. Jack Hinchel with the same. Both of those this season stand out as ones that have no right being as important as they have been this season. Of course, we've lost Jack now for the rest of the season with foot surgery, but... It's just yet another case of another Brighton and Albion youngster coming in and taking a role that they never expected to be given this early. And yet, once again, he's making it his own, isn't he? Like It's becoming a very nice headache for Deserby to have um, come March 1st when we've got Pedro back, Fatty fully fit, and Ciso fully fit, Bonanote, Adingra, Mitoma, Welbeck, like Ferguson. We've got a, so suddenly an abundance of players going into the Europa League and, and the final stretch of the Premier League, haven't we? Yeah, and it it does strike that question. We were talking in January, like we need a we need a winger to cover these sort of areas and bits and pieces, or we need another attacking midfielder of some sorts. Um, but then you... <laughs> Brian Hill's going to say no if you've got eight or nine people that are going to be there March 1st, right? You've got a headache within the club, let alone bringing one more in. So, you know, there's there's hindsight to everything. Of course there is, right? If you lose that game yesterday, this is a very different conversation. But you, we, we talked about it right at the top, just how important these two wingers are. Adingra, just come back from the Ivory Coast, straight into the starting 11, right? We need him there. And we're not going to rush Fatty because it's just too much of a risk. So whack him straight in there. Bonanote. Now three goals and assists, like you said, just doing this role and being able to do it and being able to intertwine. And then all of a sudden, NCSO's back gives you a different avenue completely. It's good, right? And you've got a, a bunch of young players that are able to come in and make a difference. They just need a little bit of time to adjust. Yeah, I mean, Enciso has been back in training for quite a while now. Um, I think the conversation is he'll be back towards the end of the month, fully like ready to be on the bench. Pedro uh, is the same. Um, obviously, that hamstring injury put him out for about four, five weeks, which is about standard for that kind of grade two strain, mm. which is pretty much what the like the the agreement was that he had. Uh, so good to see him coming back in a timely fashion. You, you never know when those things could just get exacerbated and worse and worse. But if there's anyone we need for our European campaign, it's Jao Petro. So I'm really glad to see him coming oh, back. Time, timed it very well, hasn't he? So, yeah, it, seem, it seems he'll be back just in time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, got the goal, won it up. Um, and within four minutes, Danny Welbeck put a second one uh, on the board. Um he was absolutely gutted when that ball wasn't passed to him first time. I don't know if you saw it. He was absolutely livid until it was palmed out to him. And then he was obviously absolutely buzzing. But if you go back and watch it at any point, watch the first delivery in and he's absolutely raging that he doesn't get that ball squared to him. <laughs> uh, and then it, like within maybe two seconds, it bounced out to him slot in. Danny Welbeck, as you say, like, you know, there's been lots of conversation about Welbeck and what he can offer this team. Uh, in the last couple of years, he's had long stretches injured, which really trouble the patients, especially myself, when I just hate the fact that he's always hurt. Um, but when he plays and you've got a player like Evan Ferguson, who's a little bit off the boil this season, uh, again, only 18, it's okay. Like, we're not worried about it. Um, but for Danny Welbeck to suddenly turn back into 
to Danny Welbeck we we know and love, right? With the Pele memes. Like it's the welcome return, isn't it? Like he's become really important, especially during this really tough time injury wise. Yeah. And it, he's just he's so experienced, right? You you look at his thing, I think so people are sharing around that he's now what he scored more goals for Brighton than any other club he's been at, right? I think we can pull that up or you can look at it. But he he scored 21 goals for us now. That sounds like a lot more than it actually feels like, but he's important. Um, And he's able to lead that line. He's able to win those headers. He's able to be in the right place at the right time. And if it's not for him, it's for others. So uh, he's great. And I think with with Evan Ferguson not firing on all cylinders, you kind of need that spearhead at the top and be able to make things happen and he does he's he's really good and i think he does need to be signed on for at least another year or two and i and i hope that happens yeah i think he will as well um i really do i know there's been some some tweets and stuff about whether he will or won't he but i think he will uh if we've been able to get the deal done twice already i I don't see it being too much of a problem it seems like a no-brainer doesn't it like who else are you going to bring in of that caliber of that experience and and be able to to have them slot in it it doesn't make any sense so hopefully it happens with the impact on the dressing room too right like it's Mm. like it's un uh undeniable right like the impact he has on the dressing room like for one like you can't separate him from his son like Tarek needs it, so like, he, needs, he needs to stay. <laughs> um, shortly after the two goals, as you say, uh, almost 15 minutes after um, the red card and now 2-0 down, uh, Chris Wilder then decides to take off Azula and bring on Trusty. Um, and the rest of the half really becomes a little bit like um, the Albion Ajax game. I don't know if you remember that at the Amex, mm. where we essentially just sat in their half for half an hour and didn't manage to score, but they never did anything. It they looked really poor. Um, and it felt like that's essentially what happened for the next like four, like 30 minutes until half time, didn't it? Like it was, it was yeah. really quite a, like our, our feet went off the gas a little bit and Sheffield United's feet never, never got on it. They just <laughs> damage, damage limitation. Maybe like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we we spoke about sort of their record and bits and pieces. And again, it's it's unfair because they're down to ten men. But even with eleven players, you should go there and expect to win. Given their given their points tally at the moment, given their record and their recent results, right? They beat Luton Shaw. Um, but the the caliber of teams and I guess the comparing us two, you should be heading there and beating them with eleven anyway. So when it gets to tune up and you're a man up against this sort of team that's just 10 men behind the ball, damage limitation. It is going to be hard to break down until they tire. Um, and also, there's no point exerting yourself either, right? <laughs> this is a, a marathon and not a sprint, right? You've got people coming back from injury. Let's just, if we can cruise control, why not? Um, and I know that's annoying for some fans who want to see an outright goal fest, which they did in the end anyway. Um, but you need those periods of the game where you can just rest and, and maybe just control uh, and let it <laughs> let the time run out um and and that's that's fine it's exactly what we did and they didn't really have anything anyway and even if they did they were down to 10 men yeah it was it was really poor uh and it does feel like they're almost they're almost giving up uh, at this point it feels like the season is almost just the towel being thrown in right um it's it's just really poor from them um i would expect a lot more from a sheffield united side that you know 
they've, they've done this already. They've been up just a couple of years ago. You would think that they would have a little bit more canniness to them, but they're they're just shocking. And, and they're starting to actually break records, aren't they, with, uh, well, records that no one wants. Um, I think they've now conceded more goals at this point in their season than any team has. I think it's by four already, um, which probably yeah. leads to they're going to end up shipping more goals than any team in Premier League history has, uh, which is... They're on track for 100. Like, I think if you extrapolate out for the rest of the 11 games, like, what are they, 65 at the moment? They've still got 11 uh, yeah. games to play. It's, it's scary, it's ugly. isn't it? It is ugly. Um, and if if PGMOL really want to take a look at that tackle, they'll be out without Mason Holgate for a while, which is probably a benefit to them anyway. I was going to say, you took the words out of my mouth. It's probably yeah, doing a was, favor, I was, to be honest. I was, I, I was just saying it. I was like, actually, that's not even a good point at all. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's probably a benefit. Um, and from what I can see from most Sheffield United fans, there are a couple of deluded idiots, but, you know, there always are. Um, it seems like, uh, the majority of Sheffield United fans also see it as a bit of a bonus that he ain't going to be around for a while. <laughs> so maybe this is not a uh, an irregular thing with him, although this was particularly suicidal, perhaps, in his, in his ability to take the ball off of someone. Um, halftime comes and goes. Two substitutions made at halftime. Igor on for Adam Webster. Tarek Lamptyov for Jakob Moda. Uh, Jakob Moda comes on and plays the actual midfield role he is actually meant to be playing. Uh, Pascal Gross drops back into a fullback position um, and uh, Igor obviously slots in uh, into the back line as well. Um, becomes a bit of a back three, hybrid back four. You know, there's a lot of players happy to push backwards if they need to, Gilmore, Gross um, and others. Uh, but the domination didn't stop at all, did it? Um, we continued to just kind of knock at the door really uh i think in the second half we had 81.2 percent possession um i mean that's just absolutely insane uh what did you make of adam webster's day yesterday craig uh i mean is i don't want to his chest pass is probably need some work i think as people have just pointed out i think he tried that one too many times but Otherwise, it's hard to give a real depiction on a on a game like that, and I think that's when I sort of was like, "Oh yeah, we need to record this today." It's like this is such a isolated game to try and talk about and, and analyze to an extent because it's so far fetched. Um, I think taking him off at halftime is the right choice. I think if he's not fully up to fitness, or if he just needs a little bit of a rest, or you want to switch things up, I think he's the right person to take off. Um, I still like him. I just think he's down the pecking order. I just don't think he's at Van Hecker or Dunk's level. Um, I think Igor's actually probably more suited as well. Um, it's a shame because he's done a lot for this club, right? But I just, I don't think he's up to f- sort of full flight yet. And we've said this about him before and it's annoying to say it again, but he needs a consistent run of games to get up to his level. He gets that, <laughs> he gets rusty maybe more than other players do. It takes him a few games to get involved. Um, but once he hits that level, he's very good. Um, I thought he was okay. Nothing, nothing to write home about, but nothing to like desperately critique. Yeah, I think the issue now is, of course, that there's too many options to allow him time to bed in. Yeah. Right, like when when you got Van Heck and Igor who can fill in so well now, like neither of them need perpetual rust. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it is interesting. There seems to be like a very much a split on the idea of his performance yesterday online mm. as well. Um, a lot of people saying he had a really good game. 93.8% pass accuracy was one of the big ones that they talked about a lot, uh, which obviously is excellent. <laughs> Uh, but also, if you want to twist it on his head, only Bonanotte, Dinger, and Welbeck uh, had worse pass accuracy than that. So it, you can see why he's being brought off, right? As a right back, you can't be giving away possession more than most players. Uh, and if Welbeck's one of them that's a bit, a bit worse than you, it's Danny Welbeck up front. Who cares? Um, and it was it was a bit of a heart in mouth moment every time he got the ball over on that right hand side and they crowded him because a lot of their breaks came from that area um and that was the scary part in that first half um obviously they came to nothing because Sheffield United are unbelievably wasteful and it's lovely uh, to have them break on us from taking a ball off of Alan Webster and then play a defense cutting pass right into Brugan's arms because they're just horrendous. <laughs> um, but he's going to get punished at a high level and we've seen him get punished um, against teams that aren't Sheffield United. Uh, I, it's going to be tough to see a future without a Webster at the club, honestly, like after this uh, year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I said he's down the pecking order, but he's also a right back yesterday, which isn't his position and he yeah, should not no, be, no. he should not be playing there. So um I, yeah, I, that's not an absolute defense, right? It, pass accuracy aside, against, especially against ten men, right? That's not great. Some of the, some of his touches were just a little bit rusty, as we said. Um, but also, he's playing in a position that he should not be asked to be playing in, um, and that's sort of why I brought up the whole Joel Veltman thing as well. Is that no one should feel comfortable with Webster at right back because he's not a right back. Um, so that's probably my defense. But but also, you're right. Is that he's not up to the caliber, especially when you fill in and rotate. He's just not a rotation option because he he takes a while to get up to speed. Yeah, he's not consistent enough. We're we're lucky that both the keepers are really like mm. we're lucky yeah. that both keepers are consistent enough to just throw in because there are many a keeper that if you throw them in in the way that we're continuously rounding them around, they would be flapping everywhere. Like sure. we're lucky, yeah. we're very lucky. Um, I, I, I still don't believe it to be honest. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we, we said about it earlier in the season as well, like this rotation's killing us. We're losing games that we shouldn't lose. Um, yeah, yeah. here we, here we are 25 games in seventh. So, yep. Yeah. The pressure continued after half time. Though, it? Like, it was basically same game, like same, same as after, after the two goals, uh, they did hit us on the break a couple of times in that time though. James McAtee in particular with a couple of really dangerous breaks, uh, and some excellent distribution from Fodderingham, to be fair. Let's give him his due. He, he pinged that ball down there. Jason Steele was looking on from the bench. Very proud of him, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were very Steele-esque. Some of them were over the top. Really good balls. Uh, thankfully, McAtee is not a very good footballer. Um, so <laughs> he didn't make the most of any of them. Uh, but who is a good footballer is Jan Paul Van Heck. Um, because he was the reason that a lot of those came to nothing. Uh, he was the one furthest back playing almost in that middle of the three at times. Uh, one, it's lovely to see another centre-back happy to play in that middle of the three instead of just relying on dunk now. It uh, gives us such a better option when we're rotating around that back line. Um, and two, he's quicker than dunk because he's like 24 years old. So it that means that we don't see poor old Dunky labouring back at 31 or 32 or whatever he is. Um and the tackles he put in yesterday, I mean, there was two very dangerous breaks, I recall, that he outright just individually won the battle 
mm-hmm. that could have easily been a foul, could have easily given the ball away, and could have easily been, you know, in a position to get sent off as last match. And yet he won the ball so cleanly both times that I think it was McAtee twice. Didn't even appeal. Like it was that good. Like we were talking about him in the summer. What what does the future look like for Jan Paul Van Hick? Not only from a, a playing personnel situation, we're seeing him on all of the social media channels now. Like he is such a big personality as well. The sky is the limit for Jan Paul Van Hick, isn't he? For for a team that has a real legacy of bringing through cult hero centre-backs from, mm. you know, the days of Mark Lawrence and all the way through Danny Cullip, all the way through to Lewis Dunk. Now, Gordon Greer was a big one back in the day, Adam Alabd, right? Like, we're, we're known for these these centre-backs becoming cult hero status. Mm. JP looks like the next one in line, doesn't he? Yeah. For a long yeah. time. And it, it, it's, it's wild how... The six months changes, right? And you're, you're saying, here we are. JP's one of the first names on the t- the team sheet, and how good he is. Uh, yeah, he, he did what he needed to do yesterday. I think he's very good. And by proxy, Dunk is also so good that you can put him at any point in that three, and he's still absolutely incredible. So being able to have even the option of putting JP at the center and having Dunk either side is is wild. So. We spoiled a little bit, and we wouldn't have said that uh, a while back, right? And I hope he keeps on keeping on, right? Like you said, he he can get even better, which is even wilder. So uh, we'll see. Is it? I think there was one. I'm not going to say it because otherwise I'll forget. But Billy Gilmore also saved us yesterday as well because I thought he was also very good. Um, those breaks were coming because, like you said, the distribution was good and McAtee was making good runs. Even though he can't control the football, he can make those runs. Um, so being able to be there and also Billy Gilmore being the furthest midfielder back as well and and being able to do that defensive duty as well was important. So um, Gilmore's becoming this Mr. Consistent as well alongside JP, someone that you can just rely on and go, right, I I have full faith in what, what these guys are doing. Um and it's good. It's it's exactly what you need. He's becoming uh, the the 2020s Liam Bridcup <laughs> of Brighton of Albion, isn't he? Like he plays that holding role so well, though. Like, yeah. and he's not super like he's not like a big boy. He's not like a Bissouma. He's not like a Wepu uh, Caicedo, rather, or a, a, a Baleba. That's presumably in the future. Like, he's not a big lad, powerful, strong guy. Like, he's very much in that Liam Bridcup role of. Like really low center of gravity makes it hard to lose the ball, like strong on the ball and makes those great challenges because he is little. I think it helps like being able to just poke, right? right? Yeah. Poke the ball yeah. away. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's wild. Uh he's he's undergone a hell of a transformation post yeah. court case, really. And for sure. Yeah. And and thankfully all that stuff is behind him now as well, at least I hope so. But I, I always sort of, especially the last few games, is that I don't notice him at all, and that's a good thing, is that I, I just I don't see him. And it's like, okay, if I haven't seen Gilmore for 90 minutes, it means that he's doing his job right. And and that's exactly what you want from a defensive midfielder. Again, it felt a bit bad for him yesterday, though. He's still not got a goal, senior goal, and you're just like, come on, like this is the day. And just, he took a couple of shots, didn't he? I know. It just wasn't coming. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a couple of rugby conversions, but yeah, it, it, it'll be there. I just hope it. I hope it's. 
it was a really bad goal as well. Like I, I don't want it. I no longer want it to fly top bin. So I want it to trickle <laughs> over the line and barely like a that. like a Calderon off his face <laughs> goal. <laughs> <laughs> just something accidental, and it just be like right there you go. Uh, it's sort of the gods giving you what you want. Um, yeah, I but, could yeah. I could hear mumbling in the crowd all around, like all around me too. It wasn't just one conversation. I, th- I think there may have been a minor riot if we'd have got a penalty and they hadn't given it to him. <laughs> because there yeah. was just like separate pockets of conversation I was hearing of like like Gilmore's got to get a penalty if you give it him or like every free kick at the edge of the box needs to go to Gilmore today like we've got to get him a goal like I think if they'd have got a spot kick and they hadn't have given it to Billy I think you may have <laughs> seen like half of that away ground stand on the pitch um like that they are wheeling it in for him um and and you know what was 75 minutes on the clock the pressure finally told uh it is an exhausting job playing 10 v 11. I can only imagine how exhausting it is playing 10 v 11 against Roberto Deservey's Brighton and Ove Albion. I can only imagine how exhausting it is playing against that 11 with 10 against two real life wingers now, one of them coming back from the AFCON and one of them being Kaoru Bitova, uh, replaced by Ansu Fati shortly <laughs> goal as well. Uh, Ansu Fati coming on shortly after the goal. But the goal really came from Mitoma, who terrorised that left-hand side all day long. Um, thankfully, the injury did nothing at all to him somehow. I don't know what his legs are made of, but like we need to study them at some point because Bionic. they should not be able to have done what they did. Uh, but whip the ball in, and it's one of those ones where it could go anywhere if someone gets a touch on it. And unfortunately for Jack Robinson, it went in the back of his own net. Um, and at that point... The heads were fully down and it was over, wasn't it? It was a matter of how many at that point. Yeah, I, I thought at 2-0, I thought we were just cruising, right? And was like, right, we'll just, we'll pile on some pressure, but we're not going to go balls to the wall because if they get one back, then it gets a little bit dicey. So it's like, okay. And Matoma's so good. He, I don't think people, I, I think people do realise how good he is, but just he can beat everyone. Like, it doesn't matter who's playing at right back, regardless of what league, Europa League, whatever. 1v1, he's untouchable. Like, and you you just terrorise a right back for 90 minutes or 75 minutes in yesterday's case. And eventually you'll get this cross in where it just goes in that no man's land, quote unquote. And if the defender doesn't touch it, then we do. Um, And like you said, that's it, right? You you get to 3-0, the heads really drop, the legs start going. uh, And we... (laughs) We have another winger that can go for 90 minutes plus more, despite being in Africa three to four days ago. Yeah. Um, actually, we missed we missed a talking point. That was their goal shortly before halftime. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. One of the most confusing VAR moments I've ever had from standing inside a football ground uh, because there was such a roller coaster of emotions where, from our point of view, it, from my point of view, he was clearly offside. Like He looked miles offside. I didn't see all the intricate touches beforehand with the goal mouth scrambly bit. So obviously it could have not been, but like he was in, he was in front of the line. He was absolutely offside. So I thought it was going to be ruled out. Then it looked like it was ruled out. And then the ref went to the VAR monitor and you're like, just Sheffield United fans celebrating because presumably he's going to turn it over to give the goal. The Brighton players think the goal is being given too, because they start moving back to their positions to kick off. Everyone's not knowing what's going on. He stood there for what feels like ages. Comes back, 
has a big long conversation with Dunk and uh, I can't pronounce their captain's name. And I'm not even going to try. Yeah, uh, has a long conversation with both of them, and everyone is like, "What is going on? Like, why is he talking to them?" After, like, I've never seen anything like it. Gives the VAR motion, points towards the center spot. Sheffield United fans go up in art, like absolutely delighted. The Albion move back to take a free kick. We're confused. They're confused. And it realizes that he wasn't pointing to the spot. He was pointing in the direction as a foul was given. And the foul he gave it for wasn't the foul it was given for. <laughs> from watching it on TV, like what what was your experience of that? Because inside the ground, it was abs- it was the peak advertisement for why the VAR process for people inside the grounds is an utter nightmare. Like for you it's, watching yeah. it, yeah. like were the commentators able to keep up? Were you like, what was, what was going on for you guys? Yeah. I mean, on the TV, it wasn't much better. I think it's just because you, you have, you have the commentators just trying to fill an empty void. Right. And they're just, they're just speculating as much as everyone else is. And they go, Oh, I think it's a goal. Oh no, I think this is happening. And it's just a play by play of just the same nonsense. So it's not any better. I think the, the trans battle, the visibility, sorry, is obviously better on TV. You're seeing it being replayed about, 40 times right and and still going this still doesn't make any sense as to what's going on um i thought it was going to be overturned for a goal just because it it came off bonanote and it then becomes subjective and i think the commentators to their credit they did quite well in explaining that and going he's going over to monitor because it is subjective and you know you need the ref's opinion on this as to whether it was a an actual dedicated purposeful touch or whether it was a complete deflection so on TV, obviously, it's a little bit better. You get the nice little replay over and over again with a commentator spouting absolute nonsense. But it's more, okay, I can I can make my own, I guess, my own evaluation of this and analysis and understand it. Um, the the ref is an idiot, obviously. We we, we identified that earlier with the Mason Hol- the Holgate thing. Um, it just doesn't help. And I think the visibility within the stadium would be helpful, but that, again, it comes with its own consequences. Um, but a perfect advertisement of how shoddy VR can be. Um, ultimately, for me, the right decision, it just had to go and to make a eight or nine turns in order to get there, which isn't satisfactory or isn't what it was made for. Yeah, I wish I wish they would go to the NFL style and just head to the center circle and tell us exactly what the decision is and why they made it. At least we can understand. We can go home, watch Match of the Day later, or watch YouTube and uh, disagree with them. Like, uh, or we could get home and see Reddit is saying that they're horribly wrong. But like, at least we know in the moment. Like, yeah. does it need to be a debate? You're telling us why you made the decision. Job done. Like, that's it. Doesn't need to be any even, more than that. Even if you disagree. Yeah, as yeah the, exactly. The, yeah. the transparency, rather than just putting something up on the, the little board saying decision made, no goal, there's no context, there's no why, there's no justification. Um, I agree with you. I think it, it would be a good idea at least to have something, just a snippet, right? This has been given as this because of this, right? And even if you disagree, at least there's closure to an extent rather than just going, no. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um once the goal had gone in 3-0, like we said, heads went down, uh, except for Simona Dingris. Uh, he was unbelievable all day, really. Uh, nine crosses, by the way, yesterday he put in, which is absolutely crazy in and of its own right. Uh, he got a tackle to his name. He got a clearance to his name. He blocked a shot. Uh, offensively, absolute nutcase. Uh, six shots. That's more than anybody else in the team by double. 
three of those on target, um, two goals to his name, um, and just terrorised them all day long. We saw how effective he was on the left in that final for the African Cup of Nations. I presume he was effective in other games as well, like yourself. I, I can't. I have to admit, I didn't watch a lot of it prior to the final. Um, but on the right, he was just as much of a problem yesterday, wasn't he? And the two goals he got, one of them a bit of a lucky deflection, but I think if it wasn't deflected, it was an absolute powerhouse of a shot and wouldn't cause problems anyway. Um, he was just superb yesterday, wasn't he? Like, just unbelievably good. Yeah, and he, this, defensively, he's very good as well. I think one of the things that we do see from our wingers is they have to come back and they have to defend. So being able to to come back on the, the odd occasion that he had to yesterday was important. Um, but he's just threatening. I get a, like, similar to to Matoma in a way is just he's so so direct and I guess unpredictable in his nature um he's just really good the first finish is incredible by the way um just being able to direct that into the near post like no goalkeeper has a chance of that um and the second goal a very small tiny part of me wanted Ferguson to touch that because he needed that um he was he was so close to getting a touch on it to to claim it um but he but he didn't I felt like he really needed that but you know, you're talking another five goals at Bramwell Lane. I think one of the funniest things I read yesterday was I think they've scored 12 goals at home and we've scored 10 goals at Bramwell Lane this season. So it's not great for them, but also very good for us. Um, it's bad, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's a, another good day out, a very important result for us. Um, and they're just, they didn't make it easy for themselves at all, but it, it was a good day. And like you said, you were there, so... You get to, oh, to lap up all the proceedings, yeah. Yeah, he, they were right in front of us as well, which was the benefit of being super low. Uh, that, was good, that was a good photo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, all right, we've got about 10 minutes left. So first, I first things first, Everton next. We will come back to the game because there's one last thing we want to finish on. Uh, Everton next, uh, classic uh, trap game for us, if there ever has been at home to Sean Deitch after such an excellent victory. Uh, they play Palace tonight, so they're on a shorter week than most. Um, big one, do you think, this weekend? We really need to make something out of this resort. It is, yeah. Uh, they're getting up to bogey team levels, I think. Well, just Sean Dyche is just a bogey for yeah. us. Um, so uh, it's important to to get something from that. Uh, do I think we will? It's a coin toss for me completely. Um, it just it depends entirely on the first 10 15 minutes um but yeah it we have to crack on from here i think you're what seventh you're about six points away from sixth with with man united winning yesterday uh it's a game you have to win and and also i just i like to see everton down there in the relegation zone anyway so it's uh it's something that i i desperately want to happen but with our wingers back with no injuries coming through you've got a week to prepare Fatty, Veltman are all getting back up to speed and you've got a lot of people to choose from. It's important and we're going to have a strong team now. We, 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 can, we can safely say that team is going to be strong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's give Green King their shout out and then we're spending the last eight minutes dedicated to one man in particular. Uh, so we are pleased to announce that this episode of Together BHA podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport. 
uh, where football is more than a game. Uh, they have Green King sport venues showing every single televised Brighton fixture over the 23-24 season. That included yesterday uh, against Sheffield United. Um, and with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter where you're based, you can watch every single minute of the action. Uh, if you download the app today, uh, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's any match on the TV. But for this month, there's also thousands of pints of free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays. So get on it. Uh, all right. Last but definitely not least, a uh, couple of different stats. First of all, since Deserby took charge of Brighton, I don't know if you've seen this stat, uh, Brighton have the most away goals in the Premier League. Uh, 70 goals away from home since Deserby took over. The next best in that time frame is Newcastle on 63, Liverpool on 61. So it's not even not even close. Like it's outrageously far ahead. Um, but let's talk about the man I want to sit here and chat a little bit about for now. Uh, Dirk Kaiser himself. I'm sure you're expecting this. Uh, can't be a shot to many. <laughs> um, I'm just going to rattle off some tweets that. I've been saving for today. Uh, Opta Joe, we all love a bit of Opta. Um, against Sheffield United, Pascal Gross created eight chances, completed 110 passes, and had a 97.3% pass accuracy rate. He is the first player on record from 0304 when Opta's records began to create that many chances while also completed 100 plus passes with an accuracy of over 90%. Does sound a bit of a niche stat, but when you put them all together, you realize actually, like, they're putting together as many stupidly hard things to achieve as possible. And he's done it. Anyway. It's a high barrier to entry. Yeah. yeah. It's just ridiculous. Uh, got himself an assist, nine key passes, two big chances created, uh, obviously played the full 90 minutes in, I think four different positions. Uh, he's got two goals and eight assists from his last 12 Premier League games. He's played every. He plays everywhere: right back, left back, centre half when needed, central defensive midfielder, centre midfielder on the right, on the left, attacking midfielder, false nine under Potter at times. Like this guy has done anything and everything you could want him to do as a footballer, and he just does it without any drama, without any issue. Like three million pound. We've talked about this a ton of times. Like obviously, we've talked about it a ton. He's clearly an all-time Albion great at this point. Like it's done, but the efficiency he he goes about is unbelievable. Like, how would you describe Pascal Gross in one word? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> how, I, you can use so many superlatives for him, can't you? And and just what he does and how well he does things. I think you said the borderline like German efficiency of, of what he does and um, just how he's able to do these things and being with us, what, seven years now. And he looks better now than he did seven years ago. He's now, he's, he's running further. He's doing more. He's putting more on the board. He's helping other people out even more than he ever has done. He's in the Germany squad and rightly so. Um, just what he does is so good. And, it just it makes me think like what are we going to do when he actually does retire or or move on or whatever it just it it doesn't even come into my thought process uh just incredible as always and yeah like you said those those stats they sound long-winded because they have to be because he's breaking so because he's breaking so many records and breaking so many things um assist creation goal chances everything he's incredible 
that's that's your word a long-winded way of just saying <laughs> yeah unbelievable um it, he's just so unbelievably underrated I, I can't believe that we are still in a position where he's not being talked about by everybody um but once again like he's just there near the top of our stat sheets every the top, single the top season of, top of the premier league sheets right just in general yeah. i think he started getting his plaudits a little bit more when he made the germany squad and everyone was like absolutely rightly so yeah cool people don't realize how good this person or this player is um i think similar when we spoke about welbeck as well just i'm sure in the dressing room and just his work ethic and and just around the place in general also helps um it's a guy that's been there and done that it's just what a player what a player. And scores the big goals too, right? Like that he is the guy. Like we've talked about it a few times. Like if we need a player to come in clutch to get us something, whether it's a crossing, whether it's a cutback, whether it's a goal, like he's all the defense splitting paths, whatever you want, really. Like blocking exactly. tackle, got goal saving tackle. Like he's the guy that's seemingly there. Unbelievable. Honestly. Uh, yeah. It's a Pascal Gross podcast soon. But it, it's, it's, what can you say? What more can you say that hasn't already been said by our fan base? It's just, he's just wildly underrated by everyone else in the country. Yeah, unbelievable. Love him. Um, all right. I think that's about it. Uh, we'll be back next week for our, obviously, post Everton conversation. Hopefully, it's a good one like this one was. Um, and yeah, best of luck to Dan Ashworth at his new job at Manchester <laughs> United. Well, good luck to him. Fair play to him for just I, rinsing I saw, everybody. I Dan Cashworth, I think his name is. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's wild. Um, it's just a wild trajectory for him. He's bouncing around. Like, good for him. Screw it. Why not? Yeah, Get as much just, money as you can. Just couldn't, couldn't understand the Geordie accent. I had to move on. I like he's yeah, going to do any better with the Manicunian accent, but yeah. That entire Manchester United team, really. Um, yeah, it's not going to be great, is it? But got a couple of games to be played this midweek as well. City, Brentford, Liverpool, Luton. Uh, nothing really affects us too much, um, of course. Uh, so, yeah, we're sitting pretty. Seventh place. Uh, goal difference has just got a beautiful little bit of a boost, which we desperately needed uh, after a couple of poor results in this season. Um, the gap to sixth is tough, uh, but there's always going to be at least one meltdown in that top six. Just looking at those sides, you know there's at least one meltdown in them. So, Let's hope we are the team to make the most of it. Um, and for Albion's sake, uh, everybody needs to be cheering on Liverpool this weekend or the weekend <laughs> after, whenever the Carabao Cup final is, um, because a Chelsea win, that takes seventh out of the equation, I believe. So we really need Liverpool to win that one. Yeah. Yeah, great. Great shout. All right. We'll see you all next week. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your week. Uh, and... Hey, it can't get much better than witnessing what we witnessed this weekend. So have a good week, everyone, and stay safe. Cheers, all.